Welcome to today's edition of the Blazing Grace Show with your trio of hosts, Jason Grace, Rob McIntyre, and Mike Janun. Blazing Grace covers blazing issues with grace-filled answers. Whom the sun sets free is free indeed. Here are your hosts, Jason, Rob, and Mike. Does the media influence our sexual choices? Well, we're here to find out today. Welcome back to the Blazing Grace Show, where we're returning with guests Eva Marie and Jessica Everson. And I'm in studio here with my uh, wonderful usual cohort, Rob McIntyre, Mike Janong. Hello, fellas. Hey. Hey. What's going on? Come Not on much. Now. Don't copy me, Mike. Don't copy me, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> little uh, in-studio fighting, folks. But listen, we're excited to get on with the topic. Of course, last week we talked about sex and music. This week we want to welcome back Eva Marie and Jessica to talk about sex and uh, other media, TV, movies, etc. Welcome back, ladies. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we're glad to have you back. And of course, Eva Marie and Jessica co-authored Sex, Lies, and the Media and are working on a new book, Sex, Lies, and High School. So that'll be coming up in a couple months, you say, ladies? Yes. The, actually, yeah, I think it's the 1st of October. It's supposed to be released. Exciting. Great. Yeah. And so for more information on that, you can go to their website, evamarieeverson.com. That's E-V-A-M-A-R-I-E, E-V-E-R-S-O-N.com. Wow, you do that so good, Jason. Oh, thank you. You do. Thank you do. You. Go on. No, come on. Go on. No, no go on. No, go on. really. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Great. So a little self-indulgence there, ladies. Well, tell us. Okay, what are the facts here? What are we dealing with? We all know that you can go down to any Blockbuster store uh, or any other video store, and you don't even have to be in an, you know, quote-unquote adult entertainment section to find sex all over the shelves. Mm. Uh, of course, it's in the theaters. It's on TV. You know, I t- I'm talking about a, a Friends episode a while back where they were talking about everybody. You know, everybody was watching pornography and whatnot. Mm. Uh, so, tell us what what are the facts around uh, sex in the media? Um, well, it's there, and yeah. and it's it's prevalent. Mm. Um, it's not something that is masked or um, just alluded to. It is now blatant. Um, and the scary thing about, especially in, in circumstances with like TV or movies and, and sexuality, is that rarely do you ever see the true consequences hmm. of, of um, unbiblical. Sex. Right, right. Yeah, you, and you can only, you might get a taste of it. Yeah. One of the, one of the greatest examples that I have ever seen of that is uh, there was a TV movie, um, and it was about, you know, this guy who found out his girlfriend was pregnant, and she had the baby, and her family wanted her to get the baby up for adoption, but because, you know, he is the father, um, he now has this legal right, and he would have to sign the papers as well, and he chose not to. Right. And they they showed him, you know, for like the last, uh, you know, half hour, 45 minutes of the movie, getting up every two hours, Mm -hmm. dragging himself to school, trying to make enough money to support the child working at Pizza Hut, you know, this kind of thing. And then, you know, by the end of the movie, they had a little flash thing up there that stated that, um, you know, that he went, he went on to graduate from high school and he got a degree in blah, 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 and he and his son now live in wherever, you know. And my right. thought was, wow, in 30 minutes, <laughs> right. you know. And, and while I felt a little exhausted, mm-hmm. it is nothing compared to how right. exhausted I was when for two years I got up every two hours. Wow. And, you know, those kinds of things. And, and I remember well what it's like to be a parent mm-hmm. of, a, and of an infant right. when, 
everything is as it should be. I was in my middle 20s. I was married. I had the support of my husband. And still I was exhausted. Mm. Yeah, and even... I took care of it in 30 minutes. And even when the uh, there are consequences, they are often romanticized. I think about Brokeback Mountain. Yes. And how at the end of the show, I mean, you see this guy, he's, he, he's just pathetic. And, he, you know, his life is in shambles. And even that, in that, that, that kind of sick state, is romanticized with him. You know, going to get the old lover's shirt and, and all this kind of stuff. And, and being all tangled up in that emotionally. And, and you're drawn in that way. So, yeah, there's so few examples of how true consequences are portrayed, and even when they are, they don't really give you the full picture, do they? No, they don't. And, and like I said, you know, the, it's one thing to watch a, a show, again, where someone is dying of AIDS. It's another thing to die of AIDS. Yeah. And it's yeah. another thing to watch someone you love die of AIDS. We, we mentioned in the last show that, that uh, Jessica was in competitive skating, and one of the coaches at the rink, these kids watched this man died. Wow. And it was very difficult. And you know what? It's, it doesn't happen in two hours, like in, in the movie Philadelphia. Right. It doesn't happen in two hours. Right. It takes sometimes years of agony. Well, yeah, and of course, me, the, me, the media is limited in how yeah. much they can show, of course, right. in, sure. in, in, the, in the medium. But, but yeah, you're right. I mean, it's skewed that way, Rob. Well, I was just going to say 15 years in law enforcement shows showed me that, you know, the TV shows that portray law enforcement don't even begin to give the real taste of what's mm-hmm. out there in the in the gritty world. Mm-hmm. I mean, it. I, I have memories to this day, and I've been out of it for almost seven years of, of things that I experienced. And and it's it's hard out there. It's a hard, hard, sad world. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and so it is hard. It is difficult. I want to use the same uh, <laughs> descriptive word that you just used. It is difficult for media to to truly show uh, these elements. But what happens is, is is because it it is so difficult to to do that, and because we are turned on by the sexually charged messages. We are quicker to jump in and and act on whatever emotions that stirs up, mm-hmm. and not worry about the emotions that where we sit there and we say, um, "Wow, you know, um, I don't know that I would want to go there." I right, right. Know, can you address? It's worth it. Can you address what you see happening to the culture at large because of the saturation of sex in every form of the media? Um. I, yeah, I was going to let Jessica answer that. She's in the culture than I am. Well, I just, I mean, when I was a teenager, or actually when I was in, in elementary school at that age, as, as bad as it was, it wasn't one of those things where you can't walk down the street hearing 15 different, you know, sexual messages. Um, by the time I reached my teenage years, it was getting to be that way. But by that point, I already understood a little bit about and what it was about and why people did certain things that they did, and, and you know, guys and girls. Um, but now um, even the young kids are bombarded with it. And the thing I want people to imagine is being a young girl and seeing how men react to, say, a woman on TV um, dressed a certain way, acting a certain way, acting overtly sexy, and... Imagine putting yourself in their shoes and imagining what they're thinking because they have no concept of why they're looking at them that way. They just begin to see that as the way of the world. Hmm. Okay, the same as a young boy. They see how women carry themselves or how men 
um, look after those same women, and they just learn that as the way to be. The way to grow up and be a man is to act like that. They don't understand yet the hormones and the, and the chemistry that's driving those things, enough to, to, to resist it even. And then, you know, they just grow older and they grow older in the same society and the same things, and, you know, it just it becomes, it becomes second nature, it becomes natural, it becomes okay, and it becomes completely unnoticed. Hmm. Well, what and, do you, and what, what try do you... to watch TV or a movie mm-hmm. and watch it through the eyes of a four-year-old and, and really sit there and, and just take your mind back and imagine not knowing anything and see what right. it would look like. Watch other people's reaction to when they laugh at certain jokes on TV. And, you know, these are the adults that you look up to and learn right. how to be. So let me ask you this a little bit about your heart on the matter. What are you, what are you going for? What are you trying to accomplish with these books? I mean, we've got a culture who is you know, obviously largely ambivalent about the problem. And I'm sure, and you'd know more about this from a statistical end of things, uh, however we can measure it, that the church isn't too much different, mm-hmm. sadly. So what, what, what is your goal? I mean, what are you trying to accomplish? What is your, your message at the heart of these, uh, these two books? For me, for me personally, it would be to bring the two together. Um, the church tries so hard as a whole to stay so far away from it that in doing that, they lose all relevance to the people who need them. You know, the only ones that the church become relevant to are the ones who don't battle with these issues. Mm-hmm. Right. And they're taught to hide them and cover them up when they come to church because they're not accepted. It's not something you can talk about. It's not something anybody wants to be real about except for the people who aren't trying to teach us what the Bible wants to teach us, what God wants us to know. Mm -hmm. Those people will sit and talk to us all day on TV, on the radio, on the news. They'll tell us everything and anything we want to know, whether it's true or not. And the thing is, they know exactly what interests us. Mm -hmm. And Americans, I mean, we, we lay it all out for them. And they, they, they just use it, and they use it against us. And then the ones that are supposed to be there as our support um, to help us through the world, they don't want anything to do with it for the most part. And that's, that's my main goal is to bring the two worlds together hmm. so they can, you know, the answer's already there. There's just no bridge. Ours too. Ours too, sister. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that one thing we, we have to start doing as a church or a church people is to stop being afraid of using the very same message that the enemy is not afraid to use. Right. And and just to hit it head on, you know, the reason that I even know who you people are is because of Mike and and this book that he has written. And uh, he had come to me a couple of years ago and said, you know, would you edit this book for me? And I started editing. And I'm and every day that I worked on this, my thought was, wow, Mike is not afraid just to say it like it is. Right. He's just saying it like it is, and right. he's not afraid to use the big words. Mm-hmm. And that's part of the problem that I see within the church. We're afraid to use the big words. And, and between parents and children, there's the same gap. Exactly. And so the same gap that's to. between the world and the church. Right. If, if, you, if the devil is not afraid to just lay it all out there, then you better be just as quick to lay it all out mm-hmm. there as well. And to be able to direct yourself to your children to your grandchildren, or if you're in youth ministry, to those who are under you uh, and who are supposed to be under your wisdom and knowledge and guidance, is just to lay it all out there, but then also lay it all out there the way Jesus would have Mm -hmm. you do. And what I'm saying is, is that in his vernacular, 
Jesus didn't mince words. When he stood in front of the priests and the scribes and said, you brood of vipers, mm-hmm. I mean, he was really cursing these people. Right. You know, when, when, when he turned in, in Capernaum and, you know, said, you know, uh, you know, he really just shouted out curses to, to Capernaum and Chorazin, and, and, you know, he said, you don't know what you've got standing here in front of you. And I don't think he was being mamby-pamby when he no. made it. Amen. So no. we have to be the same way. We have, right. If we see something and our kids are sitting there and we're watching it with them or we're listening to it with them or even if we're in the movie theater, we have to be just as bold to say, okay, let me talk to you about what that's about. Yeah, I call it explicit Christianity, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Instead of well, saying, the world okay, we're, we're not going to talk about that. If your first grader just saw something sexually explicit, now's the time. And Rob, you've been really good at talking with your kids really openly about things. It doesn't mm-hmm. seem like there's anything that you and the boys can't talk about. So tell me, what was that like for you at first when you, I mean, has it always been that way? Or? No, 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 no. For me, you know, and, and, and for the listeners and for Ava and Jessica, I have two adult uh, men <laughs> who are my sons, 18 and 21s in the Navy, and then I have a 15-year-old son. And uh, part of it was me coming out of uh, being kind of what you were describing, Jessica, as a Christian man who was ashamed of my own past and my own mm-hmm. sins. But as God began to change me and take me through a, a process of brokenness and restoration, I began to realize that the worst thing I could do was hide from the truth mm-hmm. and and to to use my life as a message for them. And that's really the way I kind of approach my sons. Uh, I realize I can't control them, mm-hmm. but my life is a message for mm-hmm. them to watch. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's probably the best way other than saying, guys, this is something I can control and I'm not going to let you do this. Mm-hmm. I mean, at that times, and there have been times where even my wife and I have uh, intervened uh, several months ago in my one of my son's uh, relationships with a gal, it was just getting too much. And we said, no more. We just said, yeah. no more. And and I'll tell you, that was a high price to pay. Mm-hmm. We had some very upset uh, teenagers. <laughs> but but on the other hand, though, I realize, just as you were saying, Ava, on the last show, that you do have to let him go. Yeah. And, and so I'm at that place now with the older two that I trust God. But, yeah, I, I think it was just being upfront and being authentic and being, you know— um, totally transparent with them on these issues. And Mike, you've been really proactive about that. I mean, I know you've talked about with, with your son that, Hey, you know, if you know what pornography is, it's pictures of people with their clothes off and he's what, 11 years old. You know I mean? That's, that's really proactive. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think you did this last year when he was nine or 10 and Mm -hmm. you know, it's pictures of, it's simple. It's pictures of people with their clothes off. And this is what I want you to do. If you ever see this, because, I mean, most people's first exposure to right. porn isn't because they were just walking past some construction site and found it. It's because some somebody showed them. So what you're doing is you're being proactive and you're setting it up in advance to say, this is what I want you to do with that. Mm-hmm. And it's right. really not that much in advance as you think it is. Right. No, it's I'm not. not no. I mean, like, uh, what's what's the average? Give us some statistics about the average exposure, Jessica, Eva Marie, about, about kids and, and what they're seeing in terms of pornography and the Internet. And what, what can you give us around that? You have some statistics. I mean, I know personally, and this was years ago, my first, well, I can't say my first. I probably had a couple before, but one of the first that sticks out of my memory um, as far as coming across pornography, I was barely a teenager, Uh preteen, I don't know, and I had a dog sitting service Hmm. for the apartments that we lived in, and I was just, you know, 
taking care of someone's dog, mm-hmm. doing something very responsible, very good for someone mm-hmm. my age. And the man that lived there just happened to have pornography mm-hmm. out on the out on the on the table, and I was the only one there taking care of the dog. And you know, mm-hmm. it, it's it's everywhere now. Though I mean, it if if I could express the progression, the rate of progression, it, I I can't. But mm-hmm. if I could, people might start to get an idea. Right. Eva Marie, when you're speaking at conferences and retreats, how do you address the topic of sex with the women? Um, you know what? Uh, uh, to start off with, uh, with humor. Um, you mean we can laugh about this stuff? We can. <laughs> we actually can. And, and, you know, women, we have our, well, I can't even talk about it with you guys. I just can't. But we have not, enough, not, enough, not enough estrogen on That's this side of the mic. Say, yeah. Yeah. Not, but I can, I can tell you that, that um, you know, we have our own little funnies, we women do. And, you know, the thing about it is, is hmm. that, um, oh, gosh. It's was, okay. I'm actually married to one, so. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. I, you know, I mean, right now the, the, the menopausal jokes are running through my mind at, at an alarming rate of speed. Um, but, um, are, they, I, are they flashing through your mind? They are. are they? Okay. Okay. Right. <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, and, you know, we can laugh about those things yeah. and all that, but, and then we can, we can laugh about some of the things that happen with our children. In fact, I was sharing yesterday with a friend of mine that the only child of ours that ever walked in on us was was our middle child, who is our oldest daughter, Ashley, who is the quietest, um, the shyest of all the children. And, of course, my, my thought has still been of all the children that had to walk in. Why did it have to be that one? Um, but the funny thing, I mean, when you tell that story of, of how she just walked in and stood quietly waiting for us to finish, and we didn't even know she was there. And then when she made her announcement, no, my husband said, you know, that could have injured me. (laughs) And then her her thing was, are you coming to my dance recital today? I mean, of all the things to say after seeing something like this, not what were you guys doing, but are you coming to my dance recital today? And, you know, you can laugh about that. And I think almost every parent has a story like that where they were caught or almost caught or whatever. And, and then you can laugh about it. But then there is this moment when you go from, your, you know, dodging your children because they're toddlers to suddenly realizing that they are sexual beings. Right. And right. that, you know what, you can think. You don't want them to have sexual urges, but, oh, yes, you do. Uh-huh. Because that makes them normal, and that makes them God-breathed. Right. Because we are designed to be this way. Right. The key is how to prepare your child, because you cannot protect your child. How to prepare your child mm-hmm. to meet these emotions head-on yeah. and, and God-on, and just, you know, to, to help get them through it. And so I love what you just said about... You know, we said to our son, okay, that's it. That's enough. You know what? You just helped your son in an area that maybe he's not strong enough to help himself with, and you may be the most hated person on this planet right now. Right. But one day, your son is going to shake your hand just as he is walking out to meet his bride at the altar, and he's going to say, Dad, thank you. Right, absolutely. Thank you for that. Yeah. Well, when my son was eight or nine, I told him, if when you see porn, because you're going to be exposed to it, you tell me. You don't mm-hmm. keep it. You don't keep it a secret, because that's the worst thing you could do. Right. And he's told me, like, uh, he went on a sleepover with some friend's house about, I don't know, four or five, six months ago, and the boy stayed up. He was 11. And uh, at about midnight, 
when I'm turn flipped on the TV and there happened to be one of these commercials promoting a uh, porn movie mm-hmm. complete with, well, naked women basically and they're just blur- <laughs> blurring out a few spots. And he came back and he told me what he saw. And I know from my own personal experience, if he hadn't told me, if he'd have kept that a secret, that image would have kept burning in his mind. Right. You have to be able to get it out. And so what I'm just wondering about resources for parents, Eva Marie, and I'm just curious if you or Jessica know, I mean, I know like folks in the family has got, um, you know, talking about your talking about sex with your adolescents and, and resources to that end. And I'm just wondering, with just a minute here left, do you have any idea of what are good resources for the listeners? Um, yeah, go ahead, Jessica. Well, the best re- the best place for research for any parent, for any child, is their children, mm-hmm. is the youth themselves. And, mm-hmm. and there are other places, I'm sure my mother's going to tell you, but please, please remember. you got to listen to your kids. Yeah, yeah. To, to open your mind up to them and okay. let them teach you. Okay, good. Yeah, and, and also I would suggest that you go to your favorite Christian bookstore, um, if you've got one within your church. Uh, look for groups that work along this line, and if you can't find one within your church community, start one. Um, you know, don't want to toot my own book, but you know, Jessica and I have a lot of great questions and a lot of great resources. I think one of the best resources out there is the National Coalition for Protection of Children and Families mm-hmm. out of Cincinnati, Ohio. Right. That is how I was educated to this whole mm-hmm. uh, issue, and um, uh, they obviously they they just have scads of, of you know, further resources. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Great. Well, listen, if you're just tuning in, uh, we're just ending our second show with Eva Marie and Jessica Everson talking about sex lies in the, in the media and their book by the same title and their upcoming book. You can get a beginning in October called sex lies in high school. For more information about their ministry, go to Eva Marie com. That's E V A M A R I E E V E R S O N.com or call 407 414 8188. Ladies, thanks again for being with us. Thank you. Such a blessing. Uh, Keep in touch. And absolutely. Well, I always say, you know, anybody who's edited Mike's book is welcome to be on our show anytime they want to be. Okay. So, well, Well, we'd love to come back when the second book comes out. There you go. Okay. We're going to keep that in mind. Well, listen, uh, if you're uh, a new listener, of course, we are listener supported and we're glad to be now expanding to KKLA in Los Angeles. And we'd love to further expand. So if you'd like to be a, a regular supporter of Blazing Grace Radio, you can contact us by email, mike at blazinggrace.org, or just go to the website, blazinggrace.org, and we'd love to give you more information about how you can help do that. Tune in next week when we look at what the scripture says about adultery and how looking and lusting can equal that in your heart. Thanks for tuning in, and God bless you. Thank you for tuning in to this edition of The Blazing Grace Show. We trust today's broadcast helps bring you closer to God and to what God desires for your life. Blazing Grace is a listener-supported mission intended to help listeners around the world. Your support is vital in keeping that mission alive. We ask you to prayerfully consider sending a tax-deductible gift to Blazing Grace. It would be gratefully appreciated. You can send your monetary gift to Blazing Grace, P.O. Box 625. Colorado Springs, Colorado, 80962-2521. That's Blazing Grace, P.O. Box 62521, Colorado Springs, Colorado, 80962-2521. Want to learn more about Blazing Grace? Find us on the Internet at 
blazinggrace.org. That's www.blazinggrace dot org forward slash radio dot htm. On that page, you'll find a downloadable copy of this show, or you can visit oneplace.com under ministries. Look for Blazing Grace Radio. If you want help resolving a sexual addiction, you can reach Rob McIntyre and Jason Graves toll free by dialing 877-590-SOUL. That's 877-590-7685. Desire for a specific subject to be covered on Blazing Grace? Tell Mike Janung what you want covered. You can email Mike at Mike, the symbol at blazinggrace.org. We look forward to sharing more blazing issues and grace-filled answers next time. Thanks once again for listening, and may God shine His grace upon you. It's time to be free to live for God, free to run. I am.